Yeah, for for a while he was Puff Puff, and then he was uh, uh, Dada Dingle, and then he was Puff Doodaloo. He was Peedly Dee Dee, and then he was Pink Pink Doo, and then he was Puff Daddy again. Hello. Oh, hi, Merlin Man. How are you? Good morning, Dan Benjamin. How are you? You know, I'm uh, I'm all right. I can't complain. I don't think. Are, are, is it is it possible that neither of us are deathly ill right now? Well, let's not jinx it. You sound a little stuffy. You sound stuffy. I sound uh, great. Hmm? You're right. I'm sorry. Let's start over. Hi, Dan. You sound good. You sound so good. Yeah. You look good. <sighs> it's early. Is um, it early? I'm glad up you're there? feeling Way better. Up there. I just booked my flights to uh, to to uh, do that to come out to WWDC. Excellent! That's your big your big event up there. Yeah, I'm always at events. Um, <laughs> yeah, of the, the community. Yeah, pillar mm-hmm. a pillar tent. If it's pole. happening in San Francisco, I'm there because San Francisco. They call you a tent a tent pole. They better. Um, so did you, um, I did it. Did you get a ticket? Ah, to don't No, no. I left that one for, uh, for Syracuse. He needed one. But that's what you're talking about. You're coming here for the conviviality. Yeah. But I just go and just for the, it's, it's about the people for me. It's about the, the, the friendship, the camaraderie of the developers. Yes. Developers. That developers smell. You tried that Azure yet? No, I, I don't need that. You, you, it's like Axe, but for uh, in the internet. <laughs> That's right. That's what that is. <laughs> the ladies just can't stay off your hosted content. That's right. I like I like sync services uh, because it draws the women near. Called a CDN run. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's a nice morning here in San Francisco. Uh, I haven't eaten. Uh, I think I had coffee a little too late yesterday. I, I played with fire a little bit. Uh, and so I didn't sleep as well as I normally do. See, but that's the word. Do you have like a cutoff? I have a cutoff time. I don't know about you, but I, I've got I've got to get my coffee or caffeinated beverages consumed. I have a cutoff, a soft cutoff of two, mm-hmm. a hard <laughs> cutoff of three. You know what people say about Dan? He loves San Francisco. He loves people, I and do. he loves to be gentle with his cutoffs. I like that. I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to be very, you know, gentlemanly. I'm lowering the poor colors, but you still have an hour. So what? What happened? When did you have well, it? Well, of course they have a cutoff. I'm not an animal, but right. the problem is that's when that that's see also playing with fire. Mm. As I think to myself, you know, I got to have my energy level up up for for going and doing stuff with my daughter. I'm telling you, man, when you do make believe time, I don't know about you, but for me, like that takes a lot of energy. What is what, what does make believe time consist of for you? Well, it depends. I mean, I don't. I can't say anything in particular. But for example, if you were a cat and you're and you're a secret agent and you had an owner, you would have to go on adventures, right? And that can take because if you can't follow that, imagine how I feel at three o'clock. And and you got to follow that through, and then that kind of becomes the Avengers, and then it kind of becomes Adventure Time. And there's a lot to follow. It's like reading a really terrible novel, and except you're you're the you know the the second banana. Mm-hmm. If I could say so, anyway, yeah, I agree. I, I, but I, for me, I for a long time I thought do 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 two or three is fine, burp, beep, boo. But now, increasingly, like one o'clock is safer. And what for coffee or for tea or just anything with caffeine or what? 
Uh, for any like mainlining coffee type thing, mm. I might have some. I might have a little tea, but you know what? Actually, I think I actually had a jasmine tea yesterday afternoon too. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and then I organized my doilies and cried. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that uh, Ev Ev prefers tea to coffee. Anyway, I um I heard his name. He's a foundation now. Yes. I heard it on the NPR. It's very weird to hear the names of people and you go, I think I know that person's name. You're right. Like, Sarah Nevin Williams Foundation. You're like, wow, woo. That guy must be doing pretty good. Um the uh the thing of it is though, uh yeah, I gotta watch that. I gotta watch that. You know, it's all it's all circle of life, Akuna Matata. You gotta be careful. You push it in here, it comes out there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, no, I do know. You do know. You do know you're, you're a gentle lover, a gentle portcullis dropper. Yeah. Tent pole. Midnight stroker. What? I <laughs> am having a pretty okay morning. I'm still, I had to answer some emails I didn't get this morning. I'm still kind of waking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, that's a great example, Dan. That's a great example of the inbox problem. What's that? It's, what happened what, earlier? What happened this morning, which is completely innocent on every single side, is, I think, on reflection, a pretty great example of the inbox problem. An email was sent and the email was not received because the inbox was not in use anymore. I would put it differently. Uh, I, I, I would say it started out with, why didn't you answer an email? Right. To, Did, to which yeah. I responded, I didn't receive an email. Right. To which you sent me a photograph of someone pointing at a screen yeah. to illustrate to me that I was wrong and <laughs> an email had been sent. But there was, she was smiling. Because apparently, smiley, because apparently... I think everybody's lying until they send me a picture of a smiling girl. And so uh, the thing is, though, uh, it's a completely understandable thing where it got sent to a place that uh, it's not an inbox that I tend. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think that's emblematic. It was, uh, you know, the, the, that was sort of a, a prop, you know, like you, you got to work your props and that we had, I, you know, that was mine. The picture. Okay, good, good, good. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I um, am glad that uh, you uh, think less bad of me i hope no not bad at all i still never got an email by the way not a problem yeah but uh but uh, you know it's part of the ongoing problem it's part of it's part of the inbox problem it never it never ends and 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 you know the thing is you would think that because you're close with somebody that your pals with somebody that that would make the problem less likely but i think in fact it's more likely because once you start trusting other people in your circle then it seems weirder that something like that would go untended are we is it clear what we're talking about here i think so Anyway, I think it's a fascinating thing. And I uh and then on top of it, I just don't answer email sometimes, which makes it really hard. It's complicated stuff. It's hard to sort out. It's hard to keep track. So you sound better even now. I think I think doing the show is helping you. You sound clearer. Did you do any of that nasal uh, drainage fluid that no, you like? No. No. I'll that? tell you what. I'll tell you what. Speaking of kids and nasals. Mm-hmm. Uh my and I don't I think this is a bad it's the whole thing. This is a bad trend. And as a parent, you try to nip bad trends in the bud, but this one, I don't, I'm, I'm sort of just taking a step back. Uh, my, my six and a half year old son's favorite TV show is called monsters inside me. And it is about parasites that's got to be a Texas-only program. No, it's... Uh, let me see where that this PBS? is. Monsters Inside Me. Uh, okay, this is an Animal Planet show. I'm putting this into the show. Where can people find the show notes for... Thank uh, you for asking, Dan. Uh, the show notes can be found at 5x5.tv slash B as in noodles, uh, 2 as in digital, and W as in women. It's early, Dan. 167. 
167. All right, so I'm going to put this into the notes. This is a show on uh, on Animal Planet, Monsters Inside Me. And it and when you go to this site, it, of course, immediately starts playing an episode, which is fine. The episode that it, it, it's showing on the screen for me now is Holiday Hell, Removing Botflies for Christmas. Uh, there have been at least a few seasons. I'll give you some titles. Uh, Tapeworm in My Brain, The Brain-Eating Amoeba, uh, meter long tapeworm. Why is my abdomen full of boils? Um, hold on. Uh, the 13 inch surgical rod huh? and teenager contracts Lyme disease. So these are just some of the samples of this. He found the show on his own somehow. And, uh, it turns out my wife has been taping these, recording these for him. And he likes to watch them during lunchtime. And it's all about uh, various things, fauna, fauna in your body. Yes, and creatures, bacteria. There was one about a girl who uh, who who got the uh, bubonic plague, which my son calls the blue bonnet plague. I will not correct him. Everything's better with bubonic on it. Yeah, and uh, and it, it, this is, but this show. It's really horrific because it makes you feel as, you know, like we're already worried about germs, but now I'm, I'm beginning to worry about like, like parasites, like really rare parasites from like rat droppings and things. Ugh. Yeah. I'm glad he enjoys that though. But the reason oh, I bring well, that up is you're asking if I was doing the nasal irrigation and they actually just, the show that was just on that we were just watching while eating lunch uh, on Sunday is about a boy in Texas who uh, got the amoeba from swimming in a lake, the brain, the amoeba went in through the, the nostril and killed him two days later. Ugh. See, that's one of those things where, like, uh, I don't know what to do with that information. I know. What do I, what do I change? Obviously, I'm not going <laughs> to swim, swim in a lake. I'm not an animal. Right. But still, I mean, uh, I hate, you know, it's like when they first, the stories came out, I don't know, like, whatever, 10 years ago. Suddenly, you heard about dry drowning. No. Remember dry drowning? No. You know, if you don't have enough to worry about, go read about dry drowning. That's a good one. Uh, and then this morning, like at, literally as we had our phone call this morning, I was listening to a fresh share, which I linked to in the notes, about uh, a guy who thinks that so much of the problems that we have, this sounds a little bit too complete of a theory, mm. but everything from, not, 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 not caused completely, but that there's been an additive, additive effect to things like everything from allergies, food allergies, Crohn's disease, um, uh, possibly autism, all these things are a result of the antibiotics and that our bio, what's it called? Our biodome, whatever it is inside of us, the microbiome, the, the, the big, the big Uber, uh, fauna that we've all been uh, oh, right, growing yeah. inside of us. Yeah. Oh, and C-sections also C-sections. Mm-hmm. So now they're swabbing kids with, with vagina parts after they're born to, as a test group to see if that makes them um, more uh, fauna. Oh, so the ones that are delivered C-section are getting yes. right. I've heard that. I've heard mm-hmm. you, the, the, you pick things up on your way out. That That's are right, good on the you. way out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like a gift shop. <laughs> Exit through the gift shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very universal. Oh, oh boy. My wife, uh, who I love. Uh, sorry, Casey. <laughs> sorry, Casey, whom I love. Right. Uh, uh, accidentally bought antibacterial dishwashing liquid. Uh, um. and, I, and I sat, no, no, no. I sat with it for a day because I thought, really? You know, <laughs> are you, are you, are you going to do this? Are you, are you going to, are you going to actually say to her, could you please not buy antibiotic? Right, right. And, and, but you know what? She was cool about it. I said, you know, 
given the option, could we maybe not get antibiotic stuff? It's kind of a you know brand thing for me on the internet yeah. to not own these things. And um, she <laughs> understood completely. But I don't know, man. I don't know. You got to really search it down because they want to. They want to put the antibiotic antibiotic in your hands, and I, I don't think I don't think you need it. Now, anyway, I only listened to the first like eight minutes of this, but I think it's a it's an, certainly an interesting idea. Have you heard? Have you heard, Dan? Dan, have you heard that Jenny McCarthy is now saying that she was never or is not anti-vaccine? Did you see that? Oh no this this would be uh, big news because many people know that, uh, or based on the. Many, many TV appearances and books that she's written on the subject. That's not correct. She never did that. She didn't do, she didn't do that. Is that like nope. when uh, P. Diddy was always Puff Daddy? Same yeah, kind of thing? For, for a while, he was Puff Puff, and then he was uh, uh, Dada Dingle, uh-huh. and then he was Puff Doodaloo. Uh-huh. He was Peedly Dee Dee, and then he was Pink Pink Puff. And then he was Puff Daddy again. <laughs> I also have some other topics we uh, need to discuss today. Just if you just give me a quick minute. Yeah. Circumcision, uh, okay. breastfeeding, uh, Emacs uh, versus VI. Good. Uh, uh, whether uh, whether we sh- should have a password system at all. Okay. And Obamacare. Okay. Good. So jump in. Really jump in anywhere, or tell me about something that you like. Uh, I can do all of that. We have uh, we have a single sponsor for this show, and they they're they're a wonderful sponsor. And uh, they're someone you may be familiar with if uh, if you've ever used a computer or read a book. <laughs> hey, don't put me on the spot, Dan. No, uh, the the company is called Linda L Y N D A, and they've given us a special URL: lynda.com slash back to work, spelled out like that. And let me tell you what, what these guys do in a nutshell. They've got thousands of video courses uh, where they talk about things like software, the, the creative space. They've got business skills, pretty much everything from productivity and collaboration to photography, video editing, uh, Ruby on Rails, you name it. 2,400 courses taught by industry experts. These are not hacks. These are people who know what they're doing. At all levels, beginner, intermediate, advanced, you name it. I, I'm The thing that I always really think of when I first started using Linda was Final Cut Pro and like audio editing software because I I was new to the whole I want to do videos I want to do audio stuff and I'd always use software that was like really cheap and I said well listen if I'm going to if I'm actually going to start doing screencasts and things like that which I did for a while I need to learn how to do this I need to really learn the techniques I'm not and I went to so I went to a bookstore and I looked at books and I said man there's so many books on this but that I don't I don't want to spend a month flipping through this, trying to figure it out. Just show me what I need to know so I can get started like today. That's what Linda did. And then once you get those skills, you you go to the next thing. And this is how it works. You don't buy one thing at a time. You get a, a monthly subscription, 25 bucks a month, unlimited access to the entire lynda.com library of everything, pretty much everything that they have. But they've got tons of stuff, all kinds of stuff. They've got, you know, you want to learn how to give better presentations. You want to learn how to be more productive. You want to learn how to do a resume. Like literally, they have everything. And, uh, and you can watch it from your computer. You can watch it from your tablet, your mobile device, you name it. And, uh, and, and the, everything's broken down, bite-sized pieces. So whether you have 15 minutes, 15 hours, it doesn't matter. You learn on your own pace. Here's the deal. Special offer. Lynda.com slash back to work. You get a seven-day free trial. And you get access to everything uh, that they have, their entire catalog. Merlin, you were uh, you were up in there this morning, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm learning, up, I'm learning up, some uh, new skills. <laughs> I am always, Dan, I'm always learning new skills. Just basically assume that whenever I'm not talking to you, I'm either not answering your emails or I'm learning new skills. Right. Sometimes both. Sometimes I'll, I'll watch a video on that. 
I um yeah no I, I go way back with Linda is the thing and you know uh, she, Linda uh, back when I think I think she had a last name at the time back in the day she had a uh, a series of books that were instrumental in me learning how to do web stuff and as you know I'm not a technologist Dan it, no. it's it takes a it takes a light hand and a lot of skill to make somebody comfortable enough with the material you know we're always talking about expertise on here and I, I think this is kind of what it's about if you're smart enough to know know how not smart you are this is for you. Mm. Like if you're ready to go in there at the level, do you know what I'm saying? I like do. if you, you can go out there and go watch a bunch of YouTube videos about how, how to unbox your Samsung and you'll do fine. But if you really want to learn something, come in here and let somebody show it to you in a way that makes sense. And if you sign up for one of these uh, for one of these Nito Mosquito uh, premium accounts, you even get like exercises that you can do along with the videos, which is a pretty great idea. You know, being able to like put your hands around an actual project in learning this stuff uh, is fantastic. Learn by doing. Doing. Do it. Do it. Her so books, anyway. man, her books were huge for me. I, so I, you know, I got a lot of affection. It goes way back. Well, everyone can go to Linda, L-Y-N-D-A.com and uh, slash back to work and see what we're talking about. Thanks very much to Linda for making this show on 5 by 5 possible. Back to work with Merlin Man. Dan Benjamin. That's a strange new tick we have. Got mixed feelings about that. We it's not have- about circumcision. No matter what you're doing, you're doing it wrong. Really? Oh, yes. Go check. Just check. grab the band, grab the band, pull straight up, look down. Wrong. Okay. So, anyway, it's a good morning. It's a dry, cool, humid uh, morning. You know, San Francisco has settled up way up here in San Francisco. Yeah. It's really settled back into canonically San Francisco style San Francisco weather. Weather wise, no more rain. Yeah. You get a blip. You get a blip for a little while where it's something besides 54 degrees and then it just, woo, homeostasis right back into it. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's it's what it says on the tin. So, you know, I can't complain. Yeah, no, who could? Who, 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 who'd listen? <laughs> if I complained, who'd listen? Who'd listen? Who'd listen? Big news. Uh, what do you think of the whole Spider-Man thing right now? Oh, and I finally read The Silver Surfer, uh, the first one I read it. I Okay, marker. Are we going to talk about comics? Is this okay? Yeah. Okay, marker. I just like saying that. You can okay. leave it in. I'll leave that. Uh, yeah, we'll edit that out. In post. I don't know about the Spider-Man thing. Is it, is it out now? Is the thing? Yes, it's well out there. Because the, the the return of Peter Parker is like in the next month or so, right? But yeah. The the the, the, the sixty gajillion Spider-Man title is already out. Uh no no no. The, so the the end of Superior Spider-Man uh, book thirty is that's out. In that Doc Ock has. Uh, Wait, it, seriously? I mean, is is this a, is this a spoiler? Everyone topic? knows this. <laughs> Okay. All right. Do your sound or whatever. <laughs> we call that the tugboat. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the, the Chicago steamer. Call it the sea snail. <laughs> nice. I think you're thinking of the, uh, no, no, no. I think you're thinking of the, uh, of the mushroom stamp. Uh, what were we going to say? Uh, the, uh, so, so, uh, Doc Ock has removed himself. Peter Peter Parker's consciousness was sort of still there. Came and and got all. Uh, it seems like the bulk of his memories, or at least the ones that Doc Ock had absorbed, back. And Doc Ock removed his himself from Peter Parker's consciousness. We think, and uh, and and now so Peter Parker is back in control of himself as Spider Man, and thus marking the end of Superior Spider Man. With issue thirty and the beginning of the new amazing, Slot can start his own car again. Yeah, leave his, leave the house alone again. <laughs> leave the house not in disguise. Right. 
And well, issue number one of The Amazing Spider-Man coming back, coincidentally, just in time for the TV previews of the new Amazing Spider-Man movie, number two, that's coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, no, uh, you know, it's a pure, pure coincidence that that would be, but yeah. There's a lot of pure coincidences in the Marvel Universe. Yes. They call it scrolling. Uh, can I, can I uh, cross-examine at this point? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, first time uh, district attorney. The the so what the way this started. Now that you're just dropping spoilers like a bad habit. Uh, the way this started was Doc Ock did some kind of really uh, super creepy, weird, and completely implausible thing where he was about to die in a prison, yes. and he somehow swapped. Oh God, I, this is bringing back bad memories. He swapped mostly consciousness. Let's say not brains. Yes. It's not straight. It's a consciousness. Consciousness. Swap. But it's a consciousness sharing thing, kind of. In the three uh, issues I made it through, was that was that now Doc Ox, who's who's who's, who's like oh, about, uh, practically a vegetable, right? Yeah. Uh, for so many years of uh, of 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 fighting Spider Man, his uh, and the fact that he was older anyway, uh, it just it caught up with him. He was an old guy who you know been beaten up by Spider Man uh, hundreds of times, and he was in. There, there was this special prison, island yeah. prison, where they keep supervillains, and he was there, and uh, Peter Parker came to visit him and say goodbye. And in that moment, Doc Ock switched the consciousnesses between it so that Peter Parker, air quotes, died inside of Doc Ock's failing body, uh, tried to get out by putting his consciousness into a little golden Octobot which mm. at the last moment, so why would you call Tony Stark? No, uh, try. Well, he was somewhere else. Tried <laughs> to put, tried to inseminate his consciousness back into Peter Parker's body at the last minute. But Doc Ock, having anticipated this, had a special sort of titanium shell under his p- mask in Spider-Man's body, preventing that from happening. Uh, but that little Octobot is still out there somewhere, I think. Uh, anyway. We don't know, but but, but I think that to, to get to the Syracuse rules of this universe, what mm-hmm. happened was it wasn't a, it wasn't I say consciousness, and I'm probably even using that term wrong because it wasn't like they just went what I am Peter Parker why am I, why am I inside Doc Ock and all I know is my own memories because they both had access to each other's yeah some of each other's memories and at least when I was still looking at it back when uh, Peter Parker was a Force Ghost he was able to somehow leverage. The memories and like like all the stuff that I have been through, I'm going to make Doc Ock feel really bad. Mm-hmm. So he was able to like uh, prevent assaults from happening and things like that by, yep. by leveraging that for a while. Yeah. Now yeah, okay, he basically so- he 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 through this exchange of le- this last minute exchange of memories between the two of them, Doc Ock experienced the uh, with great power comes great responsibility and all of the important highlighted moments of Peter Parker's life. Uh, everything from you know Gwen Stacy through the you know symbiotic uh, uh, costume and and on and everything in between uh, all of that. Now Doc Ock experienced this, and this kind of changed him from a bad guy to a good guy. Although he was still a jerk and still capable of killing people, uh, he was not a villain. He was a pseudo hero. He still talked to talk, talk like what, like Doctor Doctor Smith on <laughs> Lost in Space. Yeah, he still talked the way he used to talk. And, oh, I'm and, Peter Parker. Right, and he would still refer to uh, uh, <laughs> to MJ as you know woman, but uh, but he he was yeah. he was not he, a bad guy anymore. 
So how did it uh, how did it end up in terms of the the story, the continuity? What what was the ending in well, terms the, of where are we now? So all along, uh, Peter Parker's consciousness was so, at first it was fully there, like a little blue ghost inside of Doc Ock. They were they would talk to each other, and Doc Ock said, "No, I need to remove all vestiges of Peter Parker's consciousness." And he, in in whatever way he's able to do this, he did that, removed Peter Parker, it seemed, for a, a number of issues. And then there was some sort of crisis where he needed to do something and Peter Parker sort of was still there and kind of woke up. But then in the in the matrix of the shared mind, kind of his memories were removed and he didn't really know who he was. And he kept – and then he went through Doc Hawk's whole entire life and experienced Doc Ock's life very much the same way that Peter Parker had experienced that, that Doc Ock had experienced Peter Parker's life in that death moment and then realized that his life and Doc Ock's life in many ways had been parallels. Both of them uh, little kind of geeky nerds in the beginning and, and Doc Ock's kind of son, arachnid freaky Friday. Right. And he went one way, it goes the other way. So what? So what? And then, uh, then the, but the, the way that this ended was in order to save lives in the way that only Peter Parker could, Doc Ock kind of orchestrated the return of Peter Parker's memories and the removal of himself from Peter Parker. If that sticks, we shall see. But Peter Parker back as Spider-Man. Yay. Poor Dan Slott. Is this the show? It was your idea. All right, no, go ahead. Cheese oh, and crackers, Dan. This is, that was, this has all been your idea. All right, well. I got, I got a all right, let's hit your stuff. Let's go to your stuff. No, it's- no, now you've we're going to talk about it. It's, right. it's this is what we're doing now. Well, um, it is um, important. Yeah, it it is important, and I'll 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 check in. I'll check back in. Um, you know, Spider Man, uh, whom I love, is we talked about this a few weeks ago, and why why I like you know Spider Man so much, and um, and why you do. But you know, it's he's one of those ones. That, another one of my favorites. You know, like Wolverine or one of those where he's such a franchise character yeah it's it's difficult to it's difficult to keep up and it's not that fun to keep up you know what i mean yeah. and it's it's if you're you know i'm trying to think of these other titles right now i do have a new title this week that i like that i'm going to toss in my pile of of like-minded titles um like for example uh somebody oh gosh i'm sorry i forget who told me this um somebody on twitter was suggesting i check out uh secret avengers which just got a reboot, and it's got uh, two issues out, and it's a delight. Clearly, heavily uh, influenced by Hawkeye, mm. you know, both in terms of I, I don't want to just say visually. I mean, obviously, the artist has his or her own thing, but the style that that style, and it's basically it's it's Nick Fury, uh, Coulson, Black Widow, uh, Spider Woman, and Hawkeye, and it's pretty close, much closer to the Hawkeye of. I mean, it's pretty much the Hawkeye from Matt, Matt Fraction and David Aha, right. which, let's just be honest, is pretty different from the Hawkeye of, you know, the Avengers. So anyway, uh, but it's a delight, and you read it through, and it's over, and yeah, yeah, there's like, you know, stuff that's going to happen next, but it's fun, and it's funny. Ditto for Kelly Sue uh, DeConnick's latest issue of, uh, I think it's Adventures of Superman, which is really Lois Lane-centric. Just more and more, again, just to repeat this, I... I don't want other people to get burned out like I've gotten burned out. Going back and like, if I can find stories with these characters that have a beginning and an end, mm. I, I enjoy it a lot more. And it's just like, like they pull me back in, Dan. Like, you know, right when I think I'm getting away. <laughs> yeah, they pull you back in. Well, and this, it just happens over and over where I'll get back into something and then suddenly, you know, uh, a thousand tie-ins bloom. 
and, and like now there's all this other stuff. And then I, I just like get a brain block and I get overwhelmed. But I'll definitely. So this is Amazing Spider-Man Volume, whatever that would be. Yeah, what I is this, I think it's three. And uh, that's it. I think this that's is crazy. the third ama- Amazing Spider-Man. It's funny which which titles have gotten the reboots. You know, more than others. Like Fantastic Four went for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fantastic Four was, I think, counted in order up until like two years ago, I think. I mean, it was up into the like 400s or something like that. Yeah. All right. So they, I'm going to, since we're talking about this. Oh, also Comixology and Amazon. Ooh, oh, that that's dishy? a big one. Very dishy. Very dishy. I think I think it's all right. So um, Amazon, I, do. I totally do. Amazon.com bot Comixology, and for, I didn't mean to change the stuff. No, no, this is all related. Awesome. For people who are worried, I don't think they need to be worried. Look, you know, they they didn't mess with Zappos. Uh, still, the place I get pretty much like everything: shoes, sneakers, and all that. They haven't messed with them at all. They just wanted to own them. I think I think that's what is going to go on with Comixology, which I hope because I use the heck out of that. I would I would say that unless you're inside, well, if you're listening to this show, you you probably don't count for this. But I think most people who are out there using uh, using IMDb, using Zappos, using I mean, there are so many sites out there that you use every day that's owned by Amazon, and you mm-hmm. wouldn't know it because they haven't screwed it up. And I I, I you know I have to think that'll I, I hope that that will be the case uh, with Comicsology. Um, like I don't do Kindle. Um, yeah. I, we, we owned a bunch of Kindles. I got the Kindle app on my phone. I'm still kind of, uh, I'm still, I'm kind of in that old guy stage <clears throat> when it comes to like books, books still seem just a little bit costly for the quality of the reading experience. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds weak, but I mean, comic books on an iPad are fine with, with me. Isn't that a strange thing? Like I, but they're nice and bright and they're easy to read, but sometimes it feels like drudgery to read a book on a, on, on a device to me. Now, I, I know other people differ on that, but my feeling is, I mean, I, I don't know. You tell me. I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's it's good for this company. I think it's, it's great. I think it's though, great. It's, it's interesting to think, of, though, about, I mean, obviously going through, it'd be interesting to see a pie graph of where their revenue comes from. How many people buy straight off the site? Yeah. Um, how many people, in my case, most of the time, honestly, I just buy it from within the Comixology app on iTunes, which I believe means a 30% cut for Apple. So is the is it is that the case on Android too? Is do the does Ant, do uh, I mean who gets a cut when people buy Comixology through the Android app? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I know that Google Play does take some kind of a cut, but I don't know what that is. Any of the listeners who are listening live, if they know, tell me. But I don't, I don't really know. I think you know Comixology. For those who don't know, like this is, I think the have you have do you, are you still buying paper comics? We never we haven't talked about this in a while. I want to told I I went to my dudes and I I I just haven't been getting to the comic store as often. Same with me. This is a, a little bit of a side rip, but I think it's it is somewhat germane. My problem is I I, I used to go in religiously every week, uh, which I enjoy doing, but it's just you know with time and school and some changes in schedule, it's been it's been harder to get there. And what became a once a week trip turned into a once every two weeks trip turned into recently like the more like once a month. Now that doesn't sound like a big deal. Just go in and I get, I get a fantastic discount at this place because being a box holder of a certain amount, like you, you know, you get a really good discount. It's amazing. But what, what, what happens at that point? It's been a month since I picked those up. I hate saying this cause I love this place, but I walk, you walk in there 
and I got an inch and a half of comics, it's going to be maybe 40 bucks, maybe 60 bucks. But the problem is I've already bought like a third of those on Comixology and I don't really need to have the hard copy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of moving, I'm moving more toward trades in general. So anyway, so I finally kind of put a hold on it and I was like, look, can you guys just hold this for a while? Because I don't, I can't spend this much money on something twice. Do you know what I mean? I do. I still love the experience of going there. We're still going to do our meetups there. I love these guys to death, but I, you know, I really want to be supportive, but it's, you know, and part of it also, I have to say, I, I, I wish Marvel, I love that Marvel gives you a digital code with each premium title. So if you buy a three ninety nine, I think pretty much always, if you buy, I'm sure someone's going to tell me about where I got this wrong, but I actually asked Matt Fraction about this one time because I didn't, I didn't know how this worked. Like, why is it? Why don't I get one for Hawkeye? Why do I get one for X Men? And it's really straightforward. It's if it's two ninety nine, there's no digital code. It's if it's three ninety nine, you get a digital you code. You get a digital code. So, so you take this completely obnoxious string of letters and numbers, and very carefully, if if you rip the sticker off without tearing off the numbers, which is surprisingly hard to do sometimes. And so you get a stack of 10 comics and you have to go type that in. There's no scanning or anything. There's not like a QR code or something. You have to, you have to type each one of those in on the website and then you get a free version on Comixology, which is awesome. This is really fantastic when they've got like a hardcover. Sometimes with Marvel hardcovers, they'll give you a um, you know hardcover edition. They'll, they'll give you a free code. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing to mention about Comixology, and then I'll shut up, is, is Comixology has at least two very important parts that are different but related, I think. And we should talk to our friend Matt Kowalski, talk to Slim about this. But I think the way it works is there is Comixology, the people who move the comic books digitally and, and deal with the sales. But there's also Comixology, the app, which is the app... So, I mean, we think of Comixology as a place you go, something, something, there's an app, and then you read. And it's got guided view, and it's really cool. But it's important, I think, important to remember that Comixology also does the app for Marvel. They do them, if you go open the Marvel app, it's right. basically Comixology. Open the DC app, it's basically, it is Comixology. It is. It's a branded, right? Dark, I think Dark Horse has their own. They do. And I don't think that's Comixology's. I think that's all their own. But pretty much, I mean, all the stuff that I read... By and large, if I were going to go to the publishers, uh, you know, to go to go read that, that it, so I, I think that, that there's two interesting twists to this. There's the twist of okay, how's the revenue stuff going to shake out um, with with them being part of Amazon, but also then, I hope, God, I sure hope they continue to make those apps for people. But that's a whole like probably smaller, but that's a line of business of its own too. Yeah, Does that make it, sense? Yeah, no, it, it makes perfect sense. And, and I making think, the app versus just merely being a retailer for the titles. Yeah, and I think you know it's interesting because I, when Comicsology came out, I just assumed that they were in not not cahoots, not cahoots, but like they were somehow tied in because like, oh, here's this app, and they're selling and licensing this content, which completely changes the whole game for comics and the way that it comes out. I mean. As a guy who always looked forward every week, Wednesday going, you know, or Thursday, going to the comic store and like picking up the books that I was really interested in. And and for me, that was a really cool way to, you know, you talk to the folks at work there. You sometimes you see a friend there, you know, and, and it, there was this little community in as silly as this sounds like there's a community for the, or there used to be for the comic book stores. And I still, I still think that there is, but it's like, you're saying, it's like, I know that I would prefer to read the comics on my iPad. I prefer that. I didn't used to prefer that, but 
Yeah, I used to enjoy the ritual and in some sense, even though I'd done it a billion times, the novelty of getting a comic book, taking care of it, putting it in the, you know, the board in the bag. And, and then I started talking to like Jason Snell and Andy Anatko and Andy Anatko, Mr. Comics, right? Like he wasn't getting them in paper anymore. He was getting them digitally. And I loved the idea, especially at first that day and date, you were getting the digital version of the comic coming out at the same time that the, you know, the paper version was coming out and that you could go to your comic book store, support them, and then get this free download like you're talking about so that you could then read it, you know, in the way that you wanted. So does, you does were DC getting do both. That? DC, I don't does, know. I'm, I don't, I'm not I don't really think reading they any do. DC titles anymore. Isn't that weird? I mean, I guess technically I am American Vampire, I think is through that imprint. Maybe I got that backwards, but you know, like... That was great. And then I just, like, it's like you, it's like, well, I don't always have time on Wednesdays or Thursdays to get down there anymore. And maybe I'll go there on like a Saturday with, with my kid. Cause there's, you know, he likes it and there's other things going on there, but it just, it, it, the, the fact that I know that I can, you know, in two taps on the iPad, I can get the latest version, the latest issue or issues and they're right here and I can see them yeah. on this beautiful screen and I can zoom in as much as I want and look at the amazing artwork in there and it's instant and I don't have to get in a car. I don't have to drive anywhere. I'm saving the environment. Right. So it's like, huh. you know, it, like I don't, I'm really doing them all digitally now. It's it. Yeah. I am. Uh, it's, and I it's don't, I feel du- bad. Why do I feel bad about that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why you feel bad. <laughs> it's super complicated. I mean, <clears throat> so here's two, two like real world use case problems. Um, is one, like I've in the last year really enjoyed the ritual of going and getting the <clears throat> comics and putting them in the bag with the board. And even though I don't really need to do that, it's been really fun. But something happened where like now I've just got, I, I, I need. <laughs> Long box zero. I, I need to go back. It's not going to be the title, but I um, but I have I got too many boxes now. I got too many comics. At one point when I was cleaning up the living room, I realized how often, and this is on me, but how often I was going out and buying a hard copy, buy four or five comics, and then that sat in a little pile over here, and then somewhere in a little pile over there. When I, I put them all into one pile, it was two feet high, mm. and that made me feel really bad. That's a lot of money. And the thing is, so either something's wrong there. Like either I don't love them enough to take care of them and do the whole unnecessary collector thing. It means that I haven't read them, in which case, why would I buy any more if I haven't read the ones that I've got? It means could mean three, that I'm not buying mindfully and I'm just picking stuff up because it happens to be on my list. Or, or you know, another one, very common, and this gets to the second use case, uh, I probably already bought it on Comixology because tomorrow morning, my daughter will wake up a little before six. She'll come, she'll get some milk, she'll come into the bedroom, and we'll pick, we'll go to Comixology on the iPad because it's Wednesday morning. And if, if Marvel, if Marvel uh, feels like it around 6 a.m., they'll put the comics up. I don't know, they're really slow to get up in the morning. Yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll go and we'll, and we'll buy those comics there. Well, now if we can go and read, I don't know what's out tomorrow. But like if we could buy, you know, probably we're about due for either Adventure Time or the flip side Adventure Time. Should have another one soon. And we'll, you know, the thing is the comic store is not even open at 6 a.m. And so, but that, those two real world use case problems feed into each other, I think. Do you no, know they, what I mean? They totally do. And, it's, and so, yeah. yeah, go ahead. But, but so, so this also brings us back. And the reason if, that I think that we both feel bad about this, one reason, we love our comic book store. Go back to our discussion, I want to say last week. Yep. Um, I don't have any particular special affection for for the HBO company. I, I love the stuff that they do. I sure don't have any affection for Comcast. Right. No disrespect, Jason. Um, but I, um, 
<laughs> he knows who he is. But I, I don't, you know, HBO Go, if that works, that's great. Uh, but we're not disintermediating the the cable company in that case. You right. gotta, it, you know, unless you're doing the little cheaty thing. In the case of public radio, like, you know, we donate to public radio, but we all, I get the free podcasts. I, yeah, I want to see this thing supported. But the thing is right now, and we talked about this, how this this revenue model of having, it's an old school, what I would call franchise model. Sort of like the place I used to work where you could buy the franchise for this real estate magazine. Well, now you basically, since whatever the 40s, mostly, you've been buying franchises for public radio and you get the coverage in this area, right? Or, you know, there's all kinds of ways that this works, but that model has been long overdue for a refresh and now it really is falling apart. Uh, You know, except where in comics, you really feel it for, it's been explained to me that I, I, some comic creators I like have said, please pre-order your comics right. at the comic store. Right. So that means what, now how does that work? Cause I always used to be puzzled about that. That means you go into the comic store and say, I, I would like to buy one of these and they put you on a list and make sure that they have that copy pulled for you. Is that the way that, that, that works? I, I think so. And this will certainly bring, um, bring a lot of the comic store employees out of the woodwork, which is always a terrible idea, but the, um, I kid, but I think the way it works, first of all, statement of fact, as I understand it, is that digital's big, but it ain't as big as you would expect. That at least from the point of view of Marvel, deciding which titles to to make mm-hmm. and to keep and to you know have them keep showing up for however however long, uh, has everything so much to do with what how many copies are being ordered by stores, and so you know. But that process is so Byzantine. There's the, the apparently there's a period pretty far out where you get the like the solicitations of the previews where you say, okay, there's this whole new. It's going to be uh, you know unsinkable X Men is going to be coming out right in, in six months or whatever. You know how many copies do you want to buy? I think you get one more chance a few weeks before it comes out. But if you're even a medium sized comic book store, like how could you ever be pre- prepared for the first day? of a breakout comic book, knowing that if you don't sell every copy of, even if you, if you buy five copies of every comic that comes out this week and you don't sell them all, what are you going to do with all those copies? It's, it's a very difficult balance. Right. So like my create- understanding is that bookstores, bookstores, a Barnes and Noble, for example, they can send them back. Like you can, you can send those copies back to the publisher and they will buy them back. But a comic tra- book, trade, something, but a comic book store, a comic store, they are using their own money to buy these in the anticipation that they will sell them all. And I'm sure that they're way cheaper than cover price. I don't know what the markup is. It's got to be a lot, but the comic book store, if there's, if they get 500 copies of amazing Spider-Man volume three, number one, and it is volume three, I put it in the show notes, then they will, they, they, they now own those the way that you would own them if you bought them. And they now have to sell them all in order to recoup their money. Absolutely right. And I think it's important though to think about this in terms of scale. Like, you, you know, you or I would go in there and go, oh my God, how could you be out of copies of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, number one? That's ridiculous. Oh, I'll just tell you, without bringing up the name of a certain distributing uh, company, <laughs> in big Latin, it's I'm in day. Right. But, it is uh, It is forever. It is. <laughs> uh, in the case of uh, Superior Spider-Man, my comic book store didn't get any copies that day. Because Diamond just didn't bring them in that day, right. and that was just the thing they had to deal with. So, okay, let, let's say, though, you say, okay, um, I want to be really ready for this. So how many copies are you going to buy? You're going to buy five? No, you'll probably sell more than five. You're going to get 10. Well, what are you going to do? Let's say, let's say you, get, you get 20 
Well, you know, the thing is, you'll probably eventually move those. But remember, you're, this is the scale problem. You're paying for every one of those, and you're paying to store them if they don't sell. And you're essentially agreeing that you're going to sell them for nickels on a dollar if they don't sell within the first few weeks, right? You go from the new rack to the kind of like recent rack to those big long boxes that people flip through. Right, now, and then, then, then those... Multiply that by the number of titles that come out each week. Right. How could you possibly be prepared? Like, if there's a sensation, like if there's some title that suddenly comes out of nowhere and everybody's, like they didn't even know to expect how great this thing would be, well, then people are going to come in and they're going to be mad. So do you risk overbuying that by, you know, by 10 copies? Well, then what happens with those 10 copies? Are you going to sell them for a quarter over the next year? Right. Are you going to pay store all of those? But and I'm sorry, I'm rambling. But you're, but as, as far as I know, it's what you just described, yeah. which is. They, but they are still the com- local comic stores. I think are 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 where. I you know certainly there's a big role for how it ties into larger Marvel franchises. I mean, obviously that's that's got to be a given. But if you've got something, think about being an independent. Think about being Image. I mean, you know the, that relationship between the comic stores and, you know, and. Uh, the publishers has got to be kind of special to really be able to figure out what we're going to agree to make a success together. And then, you know, Comixology comes in and kind of does disrupt that in the same, ironically, in the same way that Amazon disrupted bookstores. So I don't know what the answer, I, I mean, I have a suggestion for an answer. Well, I would like to hear that. One thing that's cool. And I, I told you about this like a million years ago, go to pulllist.comixology.com. They have a really neat service that not that that many places use. But basically, uh, and I think I had to do some acrobatics with my creds, but I, w- I was eventually able to use my same credentials for Comixology and Pull List. And basically, you go in there and you create a pull list on Comixology, and you then have the ability, if it hooks up with your local store, mm. you can use this as a pull list for that. I, I would like to see something like this made incredibly simple. To where it's even like integrated into the Comixology app. I know that's got to be so many relationships and so much craziness to make that happen. But to me, the last mile is to also then give me the digital copy without having to do anything else. So I would buy a lot more stuff in the store. I would buy stuff and not pick it up for a month Mm -hmm. if I got the digital copy today. It's just that you got to go in there. You got to, and I don't know if you do this, Dan, but I mean, when I was buying 20 comic books a week, I would have to sit there and peel the little thing off. Yes. And uh, I seriously, one time out of five, as carefully as I would do that, it would tear off or it just wouldn't work for some reason. And you got to type it manually. I don't know. I, I think that's, that's the kind of thing that I wonder if Amazon could make that happen. That's, that's a great point. And I think every, you know, when you think about Amazon, you have to think about them as, you know, obviously like they sell stuff and we all buy stuff from them, but that's, that's one part of their business. And the other part of their business is that they're focusing on delivering content. And I don't think they know any better than anybody else what that's going to look like in five years or 10 years. Uh, you know, I think they're trying to figure it out by making stuff like the Fire TV. We've got a Fire TV here and I, I love it. If it had HBO Go, that done, but it doesn't yet. Uh, hmm. but I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, we will. Yes, we should. But, you know, the, the, they're very much trying to say, People want content. Let's give them content that they want. Let's give them stuff. We're going to deliver stuff. That's Amazon. They're a stuff delivering company and they can say, okay, oh, you want, you want movies and TV? We'll deliver that to you. You want, you know, the latest, uh, you know, 12 inch Godzilla action figure. We'll deliver that to you. You want a computer? We'll deliver that to you. And their focus is just getting stuff to people. So 
this makes perfect sense because what right now is the best way to legally get comics on your devices? It's Comixology. So they're going to deliver comics to people. Mm-hmm. And and it's it it's sad, but I don't know how comic stores I don't think Certainly my kid won't grow up and have a comic store to go to. No way. I just don't know how long they've got before they're gone. And that's why it's always interesting to me. Like there's one comic store here called Dragon's Lair, which is also big in the gaming, like, like whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gathering or this, um, Pokemon stuff or whatever, like these, they specialize in the gaming and they actually provide a place for you to go, uh, where, um, where they can, uh, you know, where you can go and have your game and play your game. They've got big tables. It's a cool place to go and hang out. They've got tons of toys there and Adventure Time stuff. You name it. Uh, so it's a, it's it's a store that it has comics, uh, but just looking at the way that they sort of keep the comics on the shelves, not re- they're not all in great condition. They're sort of beat up a little bit compared to like Austin Books and Comics, um, you know, which which is much more for the collector. It's it's just interesting because they've provided this venue that draws people in that gives them a place to go and a reason to go there that's not just i'm going to go pick up this comic i don't know i i I think you know i think in-person games and stuff will probably stick around for a long time but the actual act of going and buying a physical comic it's surprising to me in in many ways that it's because nobody wants to read comics on the web it took a device like an ipad to make it so we could do this Whereas we've been able to read the news on computers for years and years and years in a much, much more rewarding and immediate way than buying a newspaper. And that's why the newspapers and magazines and things like that have, have so quickly gone uh, downhill in the, in, in the physical publishing industry. But why comic books, which many people, and including me, would say this is serialized art, right? This is art. And art is meant to be enjoyed in the way that it was created. Well, guess what? The comic book guys, they're not drawing the way that we think they're drawing. They're not sitting there with a pen and a paper. Most of the time, so many of them, they may start with a sketch, but then the the sketch is then digitized or drawn with, uh, you know, like you say, a koala pad. And then it's, you know, then it's (laughs) colored on the computer there. You know, the only way to, to get something that starts and finishes as a true drawing is to like go to the local comic con when it comes to town and, and, you know, and, and I get a commission done from them. Like the, it's so much on the computer. So you're kidding yourself if you think that like, oh, I'm, I want to see it in the form it was supposed to be. No, it was supposed to be read anywhere now. It's changed. And now we've got iPads and Nexus 7s and whatever else. And where you can read a comic and it's a very rewarding experience to read it right there on, on your tablet. I prefer that. You take it on, you could take that on, you know, just think about when you're traveling. I love to, you know, besides, I like to watch movies on a plane, but I love to read comics on a plane. I don't know why. I just love that. Mm-hmm. You can, you can preload, you know, a half dozen issues on there, read them. You're carrying one thing that you were going to be bringing with you anyway. When I travel, I pretty much just bring the iPad now. Like I have that anyway. Well, now right. I've got six issues of whatever on there to read. And you know what? If I'm in the hotel and I'm like, oh, I get a fly out tomorrow. I want something good. Guess what? I get it. You know, I can get Planet Hulk, download it. It's on the iPad. I didn't have to go anywhere. Didn't have to do anything. It's just right there on the, even on the crappy Wi-Fi in the hotel. Like now I have that. Or you, you know, you do it in the airport before you get on the plane when your layover. Like 
I can't find a good comic book store, let alone anything I could w- would want to pay those ridiculous bookstores in the movie in, 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 in the airports. Forget it. It's all right there. It's so easy and it's so compelling. It just it, it's you know if it, I I really hate that I've given up this cool old thing. But again, back to like what I used to say when I said, "Oh man, I've got every issue of Amazing Spider-Man from 135 on." One day I'll give this to my kid. He doesn't want that. Right. You know, how do I get what I've bought on Comixology to him other than, you know, he uses my login account. That's the way you have to do it. But he'd probably be much more likely to read him on his iPad or mobile device than he would be to like, oh, dad has this thing called a long box with these comics with, you know, bags and tape around them. And he doesn't want that. Right. That's not, that's not something of his time. Right. Well, God, the last thing I ever intended to do here is to to preside over the funeral of comic book stores. I, I don't mean that, but there, you know, <laughs> karma. But you know, the the trouble is, like, there's always been. Um, it seems like a lot of the mid twentieth century, as in particular, I'm just making this up. But it seems like a lot of the mid 20th century and, and really even into like the eighties and nineties was about trying to take something that had been, uh, a necessarily inefficient way to deal with the distribution of stuff and then try to turn it into something, uh, that's clever and, and more efficient. Mm-hmm. And so you could, you could cite examples, I think of, of things like federal express of saying, uh, FedEx for you young people, the federal express <laughs> back then it was just, it was called, uh, the, the federal express, uh, delivery network. Remember that? FedEx, Remember that? FedEx the, down, now down, now dev. And the guy that used to talk really fast in the FedEx commercials. I love that guy. Um, but you know, that was a case where the, the post office, the postal service, as good as it was, was not fully serving the needs of people who, you know, there's what could be more inefficient than taking a piece of paper across the country. It's pretty crazy in retrospect, but that's what we did. We had an entire very well-funded government agency that did nothing but get small amounts of money, really trivially small. I mean, what was, it was like 13 cents to send a letter when I was a kid. <laughs> and, uh, and that they would take a piece of paper across the country for yeah. you for that amount of money, which is pretty bananas if you think about it. And so federal express came in and said, oh, uh-huh, for $10 or $20, we'll do the same thing, but we'll do it overnight. Yeah. And as, as small as that seems, taking it from three or four days to one day was, was in its way disruptive. It took time because there was still a lot of paper that needed to be moved around and, uh, they could wait four days. Our expectations went up. Think about photo mats. Think about when you know there was a time where going and getting your film developed was kind of pain, uh, kind of a pain in the butt. But the idea of being able to like, okay, you go to the drugstore and pick up your prescription, but then like, or even if you just just wheel through the shopping center, you drive up to the photo mat, you drop off your film, and then a couple of days later, you come, you don't get out of your car, you pick it up again. These are all innovations that, in retrospect, sound silly to somebody today, but there are ways that we're shaving some of the. Uh, taking something that was necessarily a difficult, time-consuming physical process. Oh, these are all these are all physical processes. Right. These aren't things where you can have the clock speed improve in a way that makes the service better. <laughs> this is all stuff where somebody had to go develop your film in a room yeah. and then put it in an envelope and put it on a truck. That was how it worked, you know. So, I mean, today you still need to get milk at your house, right? There's no way the digital milk experience is probably still a few years away at this point, but the 
the economies of scale. Oh boy, am I going into douche territory now? <laughs> but the economies of scale that you get out of stuff like Amazon um, are that's hard to dispute. And you know, I think that you could probably, as long as I'm going into Malcolm Gladwell mode, you could probably point to a lot of stuff about the way that the ways in uh, changing how we live, the kinds of retail that we would even be near, uh, the fact that after the '90s people started buying a lot of fewer comics. <laughs> It's it's hard to imagine how a comics shop ends up being anything but a, a legacy um, industry in some ways, yeah. which which really bums my head because I'm with you. Unlike HBO, un, unlike Comcast, unlike a lot of these other companies, like I really, I mean, gosh, unlike Safeway, like I'm fine to have all kinds of stuff delivered. Amazon brings me paper towels, suck a nut. I'm okay with that. Like I. I'm okay with that, but I really I would miss my guys at the comic store if they were. Yeah, right, right. Like if that went out of business suddenly, well, that would suck. But let's also, but let's not put all of the blame squarely on our own heads. Uh, If if it really meant a lot to everybody to take care of these comic book stores, I mean, it's it's a little bit weak to just blame the consumers for how that stuff is going because the consumers can only consume in a way that comports with how the store has purchased it from the distributors, how the yeah. distributors got it from. And and my, I think it differs a lot. I think there's a lot of juice uh, variances in terms of how powerful each store is. But like, you know, unless you're a really powerful store, I don't think you get a heads up on lots of stuff. I don't, I think it's still something where you've got to go out and do your own due, due diligence and then live with it. If, you know, this particular black cat figurine sits around for a year, mm-hmm. that's just your stock that you're, you're paying rent to store that. Now. Right. Right. Well, with Amazon, I mean, I've had, a, just for what it's worth, uh, listeners, I've had a black cat uh, on my wish list at Amazon for a while. Uh, it doesn't cost anybody anything to have that sitting around, and it'll get shipped out as soon as somebody buys it. So, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I, I, I hate, hate even saying this, but it is kind of hard to imagine, unless this industry changes in a way we can't anticipate, it's so goddamn expensive to have a retail store. You know what I mean? Yeah, to the physical cost of operating and running a retail store, stocking it, having human beings in there, point of sale systems, insurance. It's all on them. It's all on them. All keep keeping all the lights on, you know, um just t- t- taking care of everything involved in that store. It's all on those individual owners. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> That's a depressing, Dan. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The game the game angle is interesting. It just it kind of does feel like like I wasn't real. I was not there for the comic boom in the eighties and nineties. I was already by nineteen eighty two, eighty three. I wasn't paying attention to comics anymore, and um, so I, I missed all of that era that everybody jokes about now. But were you doing comics during the uh, the foil stamp three D cover period? Yeah, yeah. Um, see, like when I was a little kid, I remember reading comics, but just you know, like whatever you found, whatever you bought, you know, a lot of like mad cracked that kind of Love stuff cra- i was a cracked man yeah and uh and, but you know like i would pick up a comic book oh look there's a batman you know and it was easier back then to just sort of pick up a comic book and read it because they were more self-contained you didn't need five other supporting issues and whatever that really seemed to pick up in the early 80s and i remember what got me back into comics again was that i was uh um i, I was uh, my friend tom had you know Oh, he, he'd been reading Amazing Spider-Man and other things. And then Secret Wars came out, the first Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there reading that and like, this was a really great way for me to jump back into comics again, because it was like, oh, 
here's all these characters and I know a lot of them, but I don't know a lot of them. And they were all together. They were doing, you know, there's this weird planet, there's the beyonder, there's all this strange stuff happening. And it was, it was really interesting. You know, well, well, beyonder wasn't secret wars too, I guess, but technically this was just kind of cool and I really enjoyed it. And, and that kind of relaunched my interest in it. And, you know, I don't know if that's, if secret wars is relevant today, the art was good in it. Uh, but I'm looking up the year right now to see when. It looks pretty good. It's it's definitely very got the, got the really popping primary 19, colors. 1984. So it was the early, you know, 1983, 84 is when I kind of started getting back into it. And then forget it. After that, that was just I just stuck with it. Right, really from then all the way up till I got kind of got busy in college again, dropped off, you know. But uh, but yeah, Secret Wars. I still have I have two. Uh, really high grade uh, runs of Secret Wars one still in really really great you know in 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 the Mylar mm, and I doubt I, I, I doubt a whole part with those. Um, I got a book a while back. I'll put this in notes. It's called Super Graphic: A Visual Guide to the Comic Book Universe by Tim Leong, and uh, I remember it's that. it's it's silly, but it's really fun. Yeah, and it, it's just infographics about comics, and some of them are asinine. Um. You know, like a like a was an area graph about the invisible woman that you can't see. Anyway, some of it's very silly, but there's a pretty instructive, um, pretty instructive uh, graph on the historical price of comics. Yeah. Not adjusted for inflation, but still. You know, I was talking to somebody on the phone yesterday about this. Um, you know, it's funny because I remember at the time when I finally had a very small amount of disposable income. You mm-hmm. know, like I had a small allowance, but let's say about the time I was probably ten, eleven, twelve. Right. I remember Cokes and comics cost the same thing, which was 35 cents. And and for, for years, it would say up in the corner of the Marvel comics, still 35 cents. Right. <laughs> uh, and I, I know adjusting for inflation, it's not as dramatic as it looks, but in, in looking um, in the super graphics book, I don't, I don't have the graph in front of me. Uh, you can, probably google it but it's pretty pretty amazing how quickly stuff went from a dollar to like 299 to like 399 mm-hmm. it, it happened pretty fast and i you know i think that's part of it is it's and that's understandably there's lots of good reasons why that would be and it's not just greed i mean paper has gotten in the last whatever 15 years paper's gotten more expensive yeah the distribution costs are expensive everything gets more expensive so it has to go up in price but it's not the kind of same casual purchase that it used to be i think people are less likely to like mosey in somewhere and you know just grab three recent issues of a title they haven't looked at in five years you know and i think i think part of that i will say part of that i think you can blame squarely on the publishers for making everything so squirrely all the time Mm. and and all the crossovers and all the the reboots and the infinity crises and everything right but um i don't know it's uh we went to our our, the auction for our kids school the other night um you know the big fundraiser and i i had you know Four of the conversations that I had involved in me taking out an index card and recommending comics for people who hadn't read comics in a while. Really? Seriously. seriously. But like people who were hardcore, like collectors and fans um, back in the day who just hadn't even looked at it in years. I mean, you know, you grow up, you get busy, you do other stuff, you stop noticing. There's, God, how many dozens of things has that been the case for me? Uh, But, you know, it was really interesting. And you could see the sparkle in their eye when they start talking about, oh, when New Mutants came out, it was really exciting. You're Mm. like, yeah, it's really, that's still my bathroom reading. New Mutants volume two, still my bathroom reading. But, um, (laughs) but, uh, 
Uh, I don't know. I, I I had not thought about it, and this is dumb, but I had not thought about it until we started talking about it. That like the Amazoniness of this purchase is what probably scares the crap out of a lot of comic book owners who are already feeling pretty burned by book sales. What uh, What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I think you know how many local bookstores do you have right now? Yeah, none. like we've got. I mean, the ones that we've got. There's. I read an article in the paper about how it's become like a, an artisanal small batch thing to cash out of your dot com and go open a bookstore. <laughs> it sounds like some kind of a Pete Seeger song, but like, yeah, but, uh, you know, we, uh, I think we have a Barnes and Noble down at the Tan Fran mall. Maybe there's no large bookstores downtown anymore. Mm. Period. Full stop. San Francisco, one of the most allegedly most literate cities in America. Right. Um, there's no big bookstore downtown anymore. Hmm. It's super weird. Boy, this is depressing, Dan. It is. Yeah, it is. I can tell you, how's your, how's your Amazon uh, Kindle Fire TV? The Fire TV, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, it's really great. I talked about it um, a little bit on, I think we talked about it on the frequency at the end of the week last week. It's great. It's um, So what do you want to hear about it? Like, I don't want to bore people with stuff they already know. I have, um, I have uh, an Apple, t- the most recent Apple TV, the Roku 3, I think the nicest Roku, mm. and... I use so I use the Apple TV and the I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is like what services I use. I don't have HBO Go. What does the Amazon Fire get you that you don't have with the others? The voice search? Uh, well, so that's that's definitely one thing. This is the voice search. I mean, I, people have, have asked me surprisingly um, more about the hardware than anything else. It's it's very flat. It's it's I don't want to say half the height of an Apple TV, but almost. It's a bit bigger. It's very heavy, so that it doesn't get pulled by all the cables and children and it just sort of sits sits there in a very stable way that's nice the voice search is great people complain that the voice search is limited to uh to amazon's content in other words the stuff that you can view or buy through amazon prime or through their their video stuff and stream uh it makes sense to me why it is limited to that obviously they want you to buy that uh, but so like if you were to say house of cards into the voice search and the voice search is very, very fast and very, 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 very accurate, by the way. Wow. Is that um, right? But if you were to say house of cards or Kevin Spacey, let's say you say house of cards, it will not show you house of cards as found on Netflix, which there is a Netflix app and you're signed in and you're logged in. It won't show you the content there. It will just show you the, you know, season one or of house of cards on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever it is available that you could you could then buy and stream or whatever through Amazon. That's what it'll show you. I don't know why they did that. Obviously, they want you to buy through them. Makes sense. Maybe it's because they're working on hooking up an API through Netflix so you can yeah, search I bet, I bet it's at least partly API. Yeah, I think I think there has to be. Maybe Netflix wants a licensing agreement for them to get access to the content outside of the app. Who knows? I don't know why, but yes, it is limited to that. Roku has that with typing letters, and it's not flawless, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Do you use it on Roku? Uh, I have used the Netflix on Roku, and I, I generally I mean, prefer like the, that. the search on the top top level of the screen. This is to me. This is one of the banner features of Roku that mm. people see. More, I wish more people knew about. Is you've got whatever you got like uh, settings, my channels, search. Mm-hmm. So you hit search, and you type in the name of an actor, a director, a title, mm-hmm. and it will show you the returns that it finds. So you'll see like you know, whatever, uh, House of Cards, for example. Sure. But and, and that's not, not a great example. Maybe you search for the Avengers, and you say, it says Avengers 2012. And then you click through, and that will show you any of the channels where you can watch it, to either buy it or stream it. And I think where possible, it will tell you whether it's for pay or not. Right. 
But you can do that. I mean, I, that global, like across the whole network, it's kind of like their own little in-house version of Can I Stream It? Except it works. Can I Stream It? I have really mixed success with. But because uh, I guess stuff changes a lot. But yeah, I mean, I wish I wish to God Apple would do that. That would be so amazing if Apple would do that. You know, people are saying, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with your Apple TV? Why don't you like that? We've got three, <laughs> we've got three or four of those. <laughs> Uh, and I've got two Roku's. This is a combination of the office and the house. We've got four Apple TVs, two Roku's, and a Fire TV. By far, Fire TV is the fastest, most responsive, best job streaming. And we have tons of problems with the Apple TV. Forget the fact that, that it, it can be tough to use. Just the fact that like it reboots itself a lot. And content takes forever to get Man, started. I can't believe you had a problem with your Apple TV. I know. It's really hard to believe. It is hard. I was just sending you about to text you a conversation I had with my wife yesterday oh, yeah. where I had gone to the office to edit Roderick on the line and they were at home and like, oh, you know, what the heck? We're going to watch a Project Runway, but Oof. the Apple TV. And I was like, well, and I had to type to my wife because I didn't want to have to run home. I was like, yeah. just you walk over to the wall behind the printer, um, unplug both plugs right. out, of, out of the wall, count to five, and then plug them back in. Yeah. And then four minutes later, I got a text that it worked. You, you fixed it. You were able to troubleshoot it. And that's the thing. I, I have to tell all... It just works, Dan, as long as you unplug it. it. It takes forever for this thing to get any content. <gasps> authorizing, authorizing, <sighs> authorizing. Gee, okay, so I, I mean, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's really not just me, right? No, not just you at all. And then, you'll, you, you know, whenever I tweet about this, I get, you know, 10 uh, people... Never, never been a problem for me. Right. Right. You should take it back to Apple and return it to Apple. That It's clearly having a problem. I'm like, I've got three of them on two different networks. Well, maybe it's your upstream provider. Well, that's who's here in Austin. Like, that's who I've got. And if it was the provider, why does Roku and Fire TV not have a problem? Both of those start fast and work great. You know, like, so I don't know, less and less. I'm using Apple TV less and less now. It's, it's you know, when Fire TV gets HBO Go, I, I won't need a Roku anymore. And when, uh, and Love when, the Roku. yeah, can you get Plex on the Amazon? Oh, oh yeah. Actually, oh, best guess, implementation yeah. of Plex I've ever seen better I than on anything. That, I bet that extra hardware makes a huge difference with Plex. <sighs> it's so good. Plex is so good on the Fire TV. So hmm. good. Hmm. I don't know. I also, I, I, I really, you know, I, I, I've, I'm an Apple guy. Like I've, I've, I've loved the Apple TV. I've had it since I've had it since they were really crappy. They've gotten better. And then kind of a little crappy again. I don't know why. I don't know why, Dan, I don't even know who to blame. Like it's almost like you're not allowed to get mad about something unless you you figured out exactly the right person to get mad at. Right. All I know is my phone doesn't work when my Apple TV doesn't work. And yeah. it's really super depressing yeah. as a, as an Apple fan. I'm, you know, if you guys can't, can't deal with that, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I know restore my phone. Right. So <laughs> the, uh, just restore your phone. That's all you got to do. do. Just do that. You having problems? Having problems in your relationships? Restore your phone. At least try it. <laughs> but uh, I used to be that we would just leave the Apple TV on, yeah, and use the Roku as necessary, and that has flipped. We now just use the Roku unless it's something we need to watch that we bought, and the, and that's when we'll go over and we'll discover what new lozenges for services we don't need have uh, appeared without our knowledge on right. screen, and then now need to be removed one by one. Oh, my wife loves the Red Bull Channel. She's I just can't peel her away. That crunch, crunchy roll, crunchy roll. <laughs> All right, Dan, let's button this up. All right, Merlin, man, I love you. Love you too. <laughs>